Bears, 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 bears everywhere. Bears in the Dow, getting there. Bears in the S&P, bears in the NASDAQ, bears in the TSX. Crypto bear traps, dollar reversals. We're going to talk Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. The fuck we are. We got better things to talk about. <laughs> All sorts of stuff going on as usual. I am Gerardo Del Real. This is episode 170 of Nick Hodge and I's therapy session, otherwise known as Bizarro World. Nick, did you have monkeypox on your 2022 bingo card? I did not have monkeypox on my 2022 bingo card, but I had macro bear hungry for golden lollipop with uranium center. Let's get right into it because we want to make this one an expedited episode and there is quite a bit to talk about. You were just at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. I was looking forward to attending. Due to the personal circumstances with the loss in the family here recently, I decided the best move was to stay close to home. I did miss being able to you know, chat with people and see people face-to-face. How was the conference? I know you presented. Uh, bifurcated, let's say. So um, the professional part of the conference, meeting with the companies, uh, getting some one-on-one time with executives, getting updates about the uh, projects and and the goings-on of things. That was uh, really good. Um, lots of uh, brokers there, lots of uh, companies there. Unfortunately, not a lot of retail investors in there. And of course, it's a retail investment conference. So um, sentiment not so good from that perspective. And also sentiment not so good from the perspective of a lot of the presenters, a lot of, mm. uh, as you say, bearishness and um, I won't say depression, but a lot of uh, consternation, <laughs> let's call it, about the, the current state of the um, markets for sure. So uh, what do you want to know specifically? Let's talk about your presentation. How was that received? I think the presentation was well received. Um, met some subscribers of yours, met some subscribers of mine, met some subscribers of uh, Mr. Dine saw some familiar faces in the crowd. And what was sort of weird with the talks was um, the rooms for the talks were were relatively full. In fact, mostly um, standing or, or sitting room only. And, and of course, the conference trick is to reduce the number of chairs, which um, I'm not sure if they did or not. I, I counted 50 chairs in each room. It was five rows of 10. Um, and in most rooms, those were full. But again, I think they were full with um, a lot of professionals from other companies uh, trying to get the perspective of the um, panelists who were talking um, um, just to toot my own horn, I guess the, you know, each room has a moderator for the whole day that introduces all the speakers. And at least for the room I was in, my moderator told me that he enjoyed my talk um, the most of, of day one. And so my talk was about, uh, again, macro bear hungry for golden lollipop with uranium center. And and the point of that was to say that um, we're in a bear market. It could get worse, especially for tech stocks and that um, tech stocks could go lower and that uh, gold would likely hold up in the face of both a, a recession um, and a bear market as long as uh, rates didn't get much above um, 3%. And we can talk about that in a bit. They seem mm-hmm. to have, have turned around a, a little bit and how um, gold stocks are not gold. So um, I talked about how the golden lollipop was uh, pure gold for right now until we get on the other side of this 
um, recession and, and earnings contraction, which people are starting to, to finally believe is real now, right? You mentioned at the top of the talk that the, the S&P is now in a, in a bear market. So um, that was the gist of it. And then um, coming out of the backside of this recession and, and earnings contraction, how gold stocks and uranium were going to do well. You know, I talked about what's held up so far here in the bear market, energy being one of the things, um, metals and mining and now down for the year, but it's still one of the best performing S&P sectors. And I talked about how um, that would be one of the best performing on the on the upside swing after what's going on right now. So I, I think it was w well received. Excellent. Let me ask you about the subscribers that you saw. Do they understand where the market is? And, and I don't know if you had an opportunity to speak at length with them, but what was their take on the opportunity? Are they looking at some of these companies and the market caps as opportunities? Or are they just lamenting having a portfolio that depending on how you allocated your capital and when you allocated your capital is, 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 is likely down this year, right? I think they're excited about what they own and they're cautiously optimistic. They don't or they can't put their finger on when the, the upside is going to come. So um, I'll just use one guy that I talked to. You know, he came with a list of stocks that he's bought hmm. since um, he was a subscriber of both of ours at uh, another publisher. So. Okay. Uh, and I looked at that list of stocks and, you know, there's stocks that, that you and I all own. Right. Um, uh, I won't list them all here, but um, junior resource stocks, right? And there were only two on the list that I told him if it were me, I likely wouldn't wouldn't own or add here. And then he was telling me the prices at which he owned them. And I mean, uh, he's done well. I mean, he was in Azarga before it became Encore, for example. So you know, he was he was a happy camper, and he had put six figures into these stocks total, right? Like ten stocks, taking six figures and splitting across. Um, he was wondering. Uh, I guess, you know, if they were all going to zero or if uh, he had made good selections and I told him that he made good selections. Um, again, we just have to, to get through the, the current uh, market downturn because the resource stocks are separate from uh, the underlying resource, especially gold. Absolutely. Let's get into rates and treasuries. The 10 years now at 278, it closed uh, today being mm. Friday. We're recording on Friday today, publishing, of course, on Monday. It was interesting and I was wrong. I didn't think it would go above that 3% yield. It didn't do so for very long, but the bottom line is this U-turn seems pretty pronounced. Do you think it continues? Is, is, is this kind of the top or the bottom, depending on how you want to look at it? No, I think you're in the um, maybe the, the, the middle of the range for the 10 years. So, um, and of course, you got to wait and see what the what the the Federal Reserve does. But I could see it uh, bouncing back and forth, going back up to three, becoming sort of a, a range bound thing. What I was saying in my talk is that I had drawn a line right to three um, and said that, look, if it goes much above this, you're going to have uh, trouble elsewhere in the market. And you're sort of starting to see that already, like yep. um, delinquencies, like subprime delinquencies for auto loans are already ticking up, for example, people that have you know lower credit scores aren't able to handle these uh, interest rates that are rising. And so um, you said you didn't think they were going to go much above three. And, and I don't think they are either. You know, we've talked about how Jerome thinks he's the new Volcker and, and 
the difference is that, you know, Volcker didn't have the debt that we have to deal with now. So I talked about how uh, the debt that we're dealing with in the United States, not just the federal debt, but, you know, yeah. total non-financial sector debt is over three times GDP and how things will start to break in the market if, if rates tick much higher. So um, it's good, I guess, to see that the, the market's sort of reflecting that, right? Because I had been saying that for a while, that the rates had to turn around and they have softened up a bit. And that's what's allowed gold to tick back up a little bit as well, uh, combined with the, the dollar pulling back a little bit. But I don't think that's the um, the definite turnaround. I just think you're, you're let's call it a, a transitory period. I think both the dollar could go back up as, as well as bond yields um, over the, the course of the next three, six months. U.S. dollar index above 103, but below 104. Gold below 1900, but well above 1800. 18 and 1900 once again seems to be the new levels, right? Low end of the range, top end of the range for the time being. I, for one, would not be surprised if we see a breakout. I also would not be surprised if that takes another couple of months. And you know, just to crystal ball the whole thing, I actually think by the time uh, 2022 is out, we see brand new all-time highs. Um, in the price of gold, I think we break that, but I, I, I do think there's a little bit more pain to be had uh, in the junior space and, and, and for the gold stocks, as you mentioned in your presentation, gold stocks are not gold, right? They're very different asset classes. One does provide more leverage than the other, but that works the same way to the downside. A knife cuts, you know, in both directions, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you have your thesis about gold going up, you know, with the dollar and, and potentially with rates. But yep. um, I, I just think so many inputs right now. And I think that's what it sort of contributed to to the lackluster attendance at the, the market. I think there's so much for the consumer to and the retail investor to analyze that they're, they're, they're sort of like a deer in headlights right now. Right. When you I mean, you mentioned it all at the top, the, the crypto crashing, the the rates rising um you know uh, all of that stuff so um yeah i mean range bound uh, lots of things for uh, the next couple of months and then i certainly see gold going to to new highs and then the next cycle of the market yeah excellent let's um let's get into companies you said you met with several ceos oh, uh, there who stood out I mean, I sell this stuff. Um. <laughs> and, and let me let, let me add, let me provide better context for my question. Given the state of the overall markets, where very few things are holding up, I'm very fortunate that you know I was here a week ago talking about how my two largest holdings had dropped thirty percent one day, and then we're up forty percent the next day. Luckily, both of those continue to do well, just for the simple fact that they keep adding to the discoveries that they each have. That's being Patriot Battery Metals and Nevada Sunrise Gold. Um, but mm -hmm. aside from that, look, there's been a lot a lot of picks of mine that have gotten taken to the woodshed. Chicana Copper just announced the dilute of financing. Financing. I, I don't think, you know, it ha had to be done um, for $7 million. I don't think we had to dilute, you know, by 60%. Uh, I, I, I say we as someone that supports the company and, and, and likes David Kelly and what he's done with the asset, but it's dilutive. I don't particularly like the amount of money that was brought in. I understand the reasoning for it. But again, as a shareholder, you look at that and you have to think, well, you know, could we have taken two or $3 million as opposed to seven? We'll see if they come back out and get back to drilling and add some value and, um, you know, prove that up and then we may be proven wrong. But I, I say all that to say, which CEO, given the present conditions, did you walk away thinking, yeah, I could just go to sleep and own that stock for the next couple of years, not worried about the price today? 
Oh, well, that, that's Aldebaran. I mean, mm. um, you know, I talked to John Black for the for the first time and they got a much deeper understanding of the level mm. of support of their their key shareholders, Sabanye and, and Route One, and how they communicate and, and, and arrange things for uh, the long-term benefit of the company. I got a, a better perspective of the uh, portion of the the project that they're drilling out now, the the radio deposit, which is not included in the, the current resource, which is obviously already huge. Um, and a good perspective of the, the green field or the, the blue sky targets that have uh, not been tested yet, as well as um, mineralization that's, that's sort of outside the current, uh, you know, uh, pit shell, if you will, um, uh, as well as what could lie uh, underground for uh, uh, like a balk underground scenario. So um, that's a company that, um, or an asset that I think will be owned by a, a major mining company again, you know, there was Sabanya's asset, remember, of course, Jordan, sure. you know all this, but the, they paid over $400 million mm-hmm. for that. Um, and uh, Aldebaran has an has a, a option turn up to 80% for uh, much less, uh, and they're, they're well on their way to, to earning in. Um, what else? Um, very supportive shareholders, like um, they're exercising warrants. We've discussed this at mm-hmm. 70 cents with the stock at, at 55 cents. And um, despite that stock going down to 55 cents in the, in the past couple of weeks, that was very um, brief. That was during period of, of super high volatility and um, liquidity. No coincidence, we're back to 81 for, cents, for, right? Uh, exactly right. And so, um, yeah, to answer your question specifically, go to sleep at night. Uh, at least, you know, everything's relative. It's the junior. We're still talking about a junior mining stock, you know, right. going to sleep for, for five years, but um, would be confident doing that. And then I'll mention two more, I guess, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. Um, one is um, Aguila Copper. And now mm-hmm. this is a, obviously highly speculative, super tiny market cap, Canadian $5 million, but. Uh, and it's a big but because, you know, they got uh, over a million dollars to drill um, an untested uh, copper project in Nevada, an undrilled copper project in Nevada that's showing, you know, 2% copper at outcrop its surface um, that they're doing, um, you know, defining targets on now that they'll drill in the second half. And so I'm excited about that drill program, especially because uh, they're funded for it and also because. Um, that's not even the flagship, though it right. will be pro- providing the bulk of the news flow for this year. Um, I'm excited because the, it's a five million market cap, a, a shot on goal with a copper drill program, and they got a resource in, in Manitoba on a second project. So um, very cheap. That company, of course, will have to raise more money after this drill campaign. Uh, and obviously, um, it would be in an exploration story. The idea is to, to raise money at much higher prices after that first drill campaign, right? Um so that would be one. And then um, I, I had a lot of good conversations, but I, I think Sky Harbor is in a really good place given the uh, current pullback in price, not just yep. across the entire uranium space, but with Sky Harbor specifically. Um, just a lot of irons in the fire to generate news with with partner funded projects. And now with the news um, that they had this week that they've got a Rio Tinto project strategically located with over 200 drill holes in it. Um, I think that's just a really cheap uranium stock headed into the back 
um, call it two thirds of this uranium bull market. Sorry, I'm going to hog the mic for one more second. No, this is exactly what I wanted. The Vancouver Resource Investment Conference recap, right? I wasn't able to make it. A lot of the people that are listening or watching this, not able to make it. So I think this should take up the bulk of this uh, episode here. Yeah, well, um, so I was going to segue into the the uranium panel, which I also sat on, and that was standing room only. Um, uh, it was Rick Rule on the panel. It was GoVX Uranium, which is an African developer that's headed up by Robert Friedland's son. Um, and uh, Fabi Costa, who is a, um, a Brazilian young young lady who's made a name for herself in the in the financial blogosphere. So um, anyway, Rick Rule delivered all the classic lines. Either the price <laughs> goes up or the, the lights go out, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, the sentiment was that... Uh, you know, we're a third of the way into this um, bull market, which still leaves a lot of runway. You're in the middle of a, uh, a classic pullback in a, in a bull market that people should be uh, taking advantage of. And then um, some of the more interesting points in the conversation is that the effects of this uh, Ukraine-Russia Ukraine, uh, stuff have, haven't played entirely out yet. We still haven't um, banned Russian imports of uranium, but, but perhaps more importantly, um, the world is realizing, especially Europe and, and, and Germany, the precariousness of their energy supply. And it's just uh, shown a really positive light on uh, nuclear and uranium and the need to get it from um, other places outside of uh, Russia. And the, the thing I noted that um, actually didn't occur to me till I was on stage is I compared it to the rare earth space, right? Because... Mm. Um, not only do we not produce any uranium uh, here in the United States, uh, we actually will soon, you know, a company that you and I and both own is headed into production uh, later this year and, and in full production early next year, um, but that we've exported the expertise as well. So not, not only does um, all this Russian and re Russian satellite state uranium from Kazakhstan and other places, all that uranium still goes through St. Petersburg, right? Because um, of the enrichment and, and the other facilities that they have there. And so just like we outsourced all the uh, purification and the refinement and, uh, of rare earths to China, we've done the same thing with uranium uh, to Russia. And I, I think the catalyst uh, to bring that back has, has just materialized. And um, again, once we get through this recession and, and bear market, you're going to see um, I think fervent support for uh, Western uranium, not only production, but um, investment in uh, reactors, alternative technologies and, and refinement. And um, well, that's why the center of the golden lollipops uh, was uranium, right? Not a coincidence um, that I'm going to bring up the power grid warning. Me living here in Texas, you know, we're, it's, it's, it's a big issue. And I, I tell you what, nothing motivates citizens who otherwise wouldn't care at all about a uranium investment or speculating in the uranium space or clean energy or any of that. Nothing gets the citizenry moving, like the threat of not having lights for days on end, especially here in Texas, where we had a situation last year where it happened and, and, and you know, over 100 people died here in Texas. And so, you know, to live in one of the most prosperous states in the union, uh, a, a state that produces so much energy, it's an embarrassment to this state to be in the precarious situation that we're in, getting power grid warnings on an almost weekly basis, preparing everybody for what should be a shit show of a summer if it comes true the way I think it's going to come true. And so no excuse for that in 2022. I realize it's not a 
flip of the switch to get it on and get it going. But we absolutely, in this country and around the world, it's not just Texas and it's not just the U.S., That's absolutely right. have to get a lot more aggressive about clean baseload energy that is sustainable and scalable. And there's no better answer than nuclear. That's just a fact. Yeah, that was uh, one of the themes at the conference. And it, it's not just Texas. So let me start there. You know, there was a big um, the expose, I guess I'll call it, in Bloomberg this week. It was more than an article because it's a big topic. So um, they were warning North America. I mean, they were talking <laughs> about rolling brownouts all the way up through Canada. Uh, this summer, right? Um, for multiple reasons, um, natural gas uh, supply disruptions, um, record high temperatures um, earlier than they've been. They even were mentioning uh, hacking by by Russians due to the, no the way. US and, uh, <laughs> intervention in that war, right? And we've talked about how it was going to be a hot summer <laughs> in uh, more ways than one. So yeah, there's no excuse for that in 2022. And you say it's not the flip of a switch. And yeah, that's precisely the point. It takes time to build um, CapEx projects and, and infrastructure projects and mines and distribution, which is why they're already caught on their heels. By they, I mean all the leadership, Congress at the federal and state level, all the way through to the, the grid operators, They'll be, they're behind. And it's why uh, when you hear me talk about solar roads and concentrated solar, <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean. Like, we got to fucking get on to real solutions here and stop pussyfooting around is the, the, the right word, right? Uh, make real decisions and, and push forward. And uh, the second part of that is... Um, is the double speak that's that's coming out of the government and, and we've mentioned this a little bit before but on the one hand talking about how these critical metals are important and we've got to get more uh, supply online and and we've got to get these projects going and then literally out of the other side of their mouth not approving projects and, and not moving uh things forward and, and that was a, a big theme at the conference i heard more mm. than one presenter talk about the conflict uh the inherent conflict between esg investing on the one hand and nimbyism and, and not getting things uh, approved on the other hand and 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 i say rick roll throws out the classic lines but you're literally getting to that point like um either you guys do these projects or the lights go off and you know that's a cute phrase but now the lights are actually going off. And so uh, they, they've got to get on their horse. And I think that's why we're, we're, we're in the right sector, right? So uh, I guess that's the bookend I would put on it. If um, we are in this transition period and we're going to do this electrification thing, then, um, you know, has it been delayed by a year, two, three? Uh, I'm not sure, probably. Is it going to be an, an absolute investment of the decade over the next 10 years? Yeah, I think so, Gerardo, because where else is the, the copper and the uranium and the nickel and the zinc uh, going to come from? I agree 100%. With that being said, what are you watching in the market here this next week? You mentioned, um, you know, a big copper gold play with Aldebaran, Aldebaran. <laughs> um I mentioned Patriot, Nevada Sunrise Gold. Both of them had excellent news this past week. I expect that news to continue. Extremely biased, extremely bullish. Have a bunch of each of them. I, they're my top two holdings. Um, uh, substantially, <laughs> quite a bit of my portfolio. Um, what are you looking at this week? I'm looking at what I've been looking at. Still the, the bond yields, still the volatility, which is yep. um, quite elevated and um, causing the, the price swings that you're seeing. So um, 
I'm interested to see how low can we go. It, it's sort of like a limbo thing. I've mentioned March uh, 2020 how low more than can we go right more than a more <laughs> couple of more than a couple of times now. And um, it's a twerking ass know, market. Just like I was saying, <laughs> nobody was wanting to, to click on that bear market stuff in in February and March and April. You know, um, the retail public, for better or worse, is generally um, you know last one in, last one out, and um, what I see is uh, the general public getting scared now that we're down 20% could send shares down even further as people truly um, get a handle on understanding the, the bearishness that, that we face. And so um, yeah, macro bear, Gerardo, I think stocks go lower. I'm, 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 I'm keen to see these T-ball dads tonight and tell them so. I, I, I think you're right. Let me let me share a story from a friend and mentor of ours, and I'm sure you probably heard it this week, though you were you you were traveling, so you may not have. He was at a at an institutional conference with, you know, a lot of the big fund managers and some very, you know, smartest people in the room types. And he he, he noted a couple of things for me. I said, What was the sentiment like? What are you hearing? What what, what were your main takeaways? He said, Gerardo, it was two things. The age of these traders that are managing these funds. He said, they're all younger than you. I'm 43, by the way. He said, they're all in their you know, mid-30s at, at most. They've never seen a bear market. They've never traded a bear market. He said, the second thing that stood out to me is most of them are all in. They believe the bottom is right around the corner and, and, and they're all in. There's not a lot of cash on the sidelines waiting to be deployed. Both of those things tell me that unless Powell does you know, his, 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 his pivot, which I don't think comes yet. I know it happens eventually, just not yet. Then, then I, I believe the broader indices are going to, are going to deliver some more pain. And I think people should absolutely be ready for that. And look, if you have a 401k or a retirement plan and you don't, you can't afford to see it down another 20%, it might be worthwhile to pull a little bit of that, even if you're already down 20, 30% and have a little bit on the sidelines in cash, because it may prove prudent. Um, Everybody's risk profile is different. You know, I, I tend to be more high risk, high reward. Sometimes that pays off in spades. And sometimes I got to make a phone call and, and, you know, line up some cash really quick to make sure that, you know, that, that, that everything is buffered up the way it should be and that the mode is protected. But it's different for everybody. You got to have you, you got to have that conversation with yourself, folks, and, and ask yourself, what do you need in the next three, six, nine months? And, you know, if, if what's in there goes to money heaven, as Rick Roll likes to say. Is that sustainable for you? Would that be okay? Would that change the way that you're living? And again, it, it, it's a painful conversation to have after already being down 20, 30% for most people in the broader indices, but you could find yourself down another 20, 30%. That compounds really, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, I would say probable. I know you have T-ball. I know it's been a week of travel. I wanted to make this a VRIC recap. I think you did a phenomenal job capturing the mood and the hesitancy in the market and the sectors that should receive the first, you know, bulk of, of, of speculative capital when that comes back. And you mentioned uranium. I well, I think we both can say that we love the lithium space. Anything battery metals, I think, is gonna be, you know, the 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 the, the trends that are mega trends that have to continue on despite what happens in the Dow, despite what happens to Tesla or Twitter or Elon or Amber Heard or Johnny Depp, right? These are emotions and trends that are in motion that are not going to make a U-turn anytime soon. They may slow, but they're not making a U-turn any, anytime soon. I had a subscriber that wrote in and I haven't been able to respond. I will, but if you're listening, 
you asked about silver versus uranium stocks. And what I would mm -hmm. say is this, silver is trading rightfully so as an industrial metal. Silver is going to require more of a U-turn in the broader indices and in the, in, the, in the economy globally before it turns back up because it's not trading the way that gold's trading. It's trading as an industrial metal. Uranium is a lot more volatile, but I think it recovers a lot more quickly because of those underlying fundamentals and that big mega trend that we're experiencing. And, you know, I think you mentioned in your presentation, you thought we were in the third inning of the uranium bowl. Is that accurate? Yep. I, I agree 100% with that. It's two steps forward, one step back. I think we just took one step back. Um, I, I, I think we have a couple of steps forward coming here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you mentioned Elon Musk. I did want to mention something <laughs> about that, that, that that just follows on with what I was saying about the the loggerheads that we're at with ESG versus uh, mining and things like that. You know, he was going off this week about a lot of things uh, <laughs> on, on Twitter. Elon win Elon. <laughs> yeah, the, the, but the ESG stuff, you know, he's spot on with, right? Like Tesla was taken out of some uh, ESG index, uh, environmental and social governance. Um, and Exxon remained in, right? So when you just think about... Um, just think about that on its face and how um, illogical that is to have Exxon in an ESG fund and not an electric car company. It just shows you the um, the dumbness that's that's in the market and the, the way that, that people are thinking about this. It just um, doesn't make any sense and it's, it's not going to last forever. I mean, he's been one of the early ones out there saying, you know, these automakers are going to have to um, become miners. You just wait. You just wait, everybody, until until Ford and, and Volvo and, and GM are saying the same things. And and, and my, my I told you so's grow louder. And taking 20% stakes in junior mining companies with massive deposits and stable jurisdictions and funding the CapEx and, you know, all of the beautiful things that I think are going to happen here in the next couple of years. And I think if you're positioned well, we're going to have a fun, fun, fun time profiting from those trends. I think that's a good stopping point, Nick. I'm going to say we'll talk adios, Madison, next week. We'll have less entertainment on a weekly basis because Madison, of course, lost his uh, his his primary race, so we're not going to get any more videos anytime soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot I want to get to next week on the social side. We had the shooting in Buffalo. Horrific hate crime. Condolences to everybody out there. I want to talk crypto with you next week and the potential bear trap. I'll be looking for that this week to see if it breaks above 30 or breaks down closer to 1920. Real potential to, for that to happen. But for now, I think it's a good stopping point. Anything else you got to say, Nick? No, that's it. Careful out there, man. Hedge funds are shutting their doors. It is a, uh, a very uh, environment. It's an environment that you should be very defensive in. So just caution to everyone out there. Uh, one last word on Chicana Copper, though I do not like the dilution on the financing. You're probably seeing a bottom here, folks. Still a great copper gold asset. Still phenomenal exploration upside. Um, you know, still some great, great geos on that property and a great partner in Goldfield. So I think better days ahead. Painful to see it at these levels. Painful to see the dilution. But I think, you know, you're likely near or at a bottom. That's all I got this week, everybody. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was number 170 of Bizarro World. Say something nice to the people and have fun at T-Ball, Nick. Macro Bear waves goodbye. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. 
and share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.